As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey there, Beyonders. This is Chris with What the Suck Podcast, and you are listening to a fourth-hand production. Hey, Dan, what's going, what, are you, what are we doing? What's going on? Hey, Lee, if you were president, like, what would your song be? Ooh, man. That's a tough one. There's so many it's good like options. I, I know. There's so many good options. Like, this is Thunderstruck. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> oh, hey, that's Ray. We got hey, Ray guys. in his hand. How's it going, Ray? We are talking presidents. It's election day. Head to the polls, Beyonders. Mike. Roll the tape. You are listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. Your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in, because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that tea for the duo of dumb foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. Of course I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, messy, all that stuff, it's gotta be real. How are we to say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorant. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers. Welcome to Beyond Terrestrial, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all things supernatural. My name's Lee. I'm coming to you from the Bell Witch's backyard inside the Haunted Barn Studios. And as always, I'm joined by my friend, my buddy, Dan Martson. Dan, what are you doing today? Where are you coming from again? Hey guys, it's Dan. I am just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. And Lee, today we are like two major party candidates squaring off. Really? So like, like you're, um, you're like the Republican and I'm the Democrat or I'm the Democrat, you're the, what are we doing? Dan, I don't we'll know what's going on. The, we'll leave that for the listeners to decide. Uh, but we've got a special guest, a third party candidate, if you will, a real dark horse, 
Uh, some of y'all may know him as Assistant Ray at the Hysteria 51 podcast. We just livingly call him Ray from the Fourth Hand Media Network. Ray, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited for this episode. And I'm excited for uh, Election Day. Very cool. Very cool. It is It is going to be a big one. It is a big one. So I hope all you guys, if you haven't voted already, are heading to the polls. Listen to this um, and don't let it influence you in any way. <laughs> I guess it's better us influencing you than the Russians. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm only 25% Russian. So does that matter? <laughs> He oh, dies. Sleeper, he dies. Sleeper cells. Sleeper cells <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> but anyways, Ray, before we get into your work at the Fourth Hand Media Network, we have to shout out another media company that is making all of this possible, Lee. It's a little operation we like to call Simple Equations Media based out of sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Simple Equations Media is an audio video production company full service from pre-production through post-production. You got an idea, you head into them, they'll consult with you. They'll figure out how to shoot it, how to record it. They can compose music. If you guys are a uh, I don't know, an indie band looking to shoot a music video. Maybe your company's doing a training video. Maybe you're one of those guys who's trying to break into film and TV. Guys, Simple Equations Media has your back. Um, they even compose the music and do the editing for this podunk show. So thanks a lot to those guys. Lee, where can you find them online? Oh, you can find them on Facebook at Simple Equations, on Twitter at Simple equations underscore they're on instagram too lee are they yeah it's just that simple equations media you can just google it or give them a call at their offices in vegas I'll let them know you're coming down you can consult with them in person so check it out it's a good time that was a very long-winded with live read yeah Mike, it was leave that in <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we really appreciate those guys. And we also appreciate Ray and your work at the Fourth Hand Media Conglomerate Consortium uh, Party, I guess. We're our own political party now. Uh, <laughs> I like to call it Legion of Doom. Yes, yes. Yes. The, the um, new Legion of Doom. I I'm, I'm in for that one. I think we need to talk to we need to talk to the higher ups and uh, get that going. You know they'll never go for it. They're all in with Green Lantern. Just not Oh it. yeah, yeah, that is true. Man, that oh. collection is huge that he has. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. But yeah. So uh Fourth Head Media is a a podcast network with uh, Story 51 um, kind of being the, the first show that joined it because it's uh, created by Brent Hen and Don Goldforth, who are both the hosts of Hysteria 51. Um, and we also have uh, great shows like you guys, Beyond Terrestrial. We also have many others. Um, and if you go to fourthhandmedia.com, you will find all the shows, all the uh, information you need to, uh, to get some of the greatest shows out there. Um, and if you are on Twitter, Facebook, and you're uh, and you're going to go follow Beyond Terrestrials, Hysteria Fifty One, 
don't forget to follow Fourth Hand Media. So uh, each week, we we share a portion of uh, the uh, the episodes in in tweets and Facebook posts. So go go follow go follow and go like them. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, he says the greatest shows out there, and then includes us. That's great. That's great because we all know that we're childish and misinformed. I said like. That's fine. <laughs> like, like. For example, for example, that works. Okay, so that's all a right. real politician move of you, Ray, to walk that back just a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well played from our third party candidate. Yes, yes. He's winning this one right now. Um, So, yeah, guys, uh, Fourth Hand Media, great place where you can dip your toe into all kinds of different shows. Um, One of them, Ray, I got a question. I haven't heard any sad times in a while. Uh, Are they working on some new ones? What's going on? Yeah, uh, so sad times, uh, it's kind of difficult to do because especially with uh, during this uh, COVID outbreak, um, we usually like having, well, Kevin Crispin uh, really likes having the, the guests with him in the room um, to where he could, he could talk about it, uh, the sad times with um, the people. And so at this point, it's kind of, we're waiting for uh, things to settle down to have in-person ones. Um, but also, I know he's he's kind of working on behind-the-scenes things as well. So um, hopefully we'll get episodes out there sooner rather than later. Very interesting. Yeah, that is a great show. It's very personal, so I can understand why the, the one-on-one in-person dynamic is really important for it. Um, but, guys, there will probably be some sad times tomorrow when we figure out who won or lost this election. There's going to be a lot of sad times for one group or another, right? Well, yeah, like half the U.S. is going to be upset. The other half is going to be happy. And then there's going to be like 10% that have no idea why they voted. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually there, yeah. Ray is firmly in that camp. He's like, why did I even go to the polls? Uh so, um, now, do your guys' states, like, uh, get a lot of campaign ads, like TV and stuff like that? Uh, not really, actually, because we're mostly, well, we're mostly a, uh, a certain, a certain party with Illinois, um, a certain party likes it, so we see a few attack ads here and there, uh, but this year, not really, it's been more of different things going on inside of Illinois that we've been getting looked at, uh, but um, it's... More down ballot races. Yeah, exactly. Lee, yeah. what about you, my man? You getting attack ads and stuff on the TV? Do you know what? Not as much as you would think. So, I am one of those people that cut the cord. Um, and no, that doesn't mean I cut the umbilical cord. Um, that means I uh, no longer go, like facilitate cable. I don't pay those guys all that extra money. Um, uh, I just pay it to several different companies. So I pay it to Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, uh, Philo, Amazon Prime. Um, so I pretty much Look pay the you, same. Spread it around. Spread it around. <laughs> but I give it to uh, like I try to I try to diversify in my entertainment payments. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
All those all those big money donors you got. You just spreading it around to all these guys, huh? Yeah, yes. I those name those aren't name <laughs> drops. Those aren't name drops at all. Yeah. Oh. So, no, no, they're not Well no, I, I know, don't have any official affiliation with any of those companies. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like Ray was saying, uh I'm down here in Mississippi and Mississippi tends to go a certain way in these presidential elections, so we don't get a lot, uh, but there is a, there's a smattering. There's a smattering, uh, but thank God we don't live in some place like uh, Ohio or Pennsylvania or some kind of battleground state where they just inundate you with ads. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Uh, and smattering is also one of the best uh, verbs I've heard today. Thank you. Thank you. That's a, <laughs> that's a Jeopardy champion word right there. Smattering. Thank you. <laughs> Don't give him a big head, Ray. He's big enough already. <laughs> I think Alex Trebek, Alex Trebek already did. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that check they gave me sure did. But um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, so guys, the subject, if, if our listeners haven't figured it out today, the subject is presidents of the United States. We're looking for oddities. We're looking for lesser-known conspiracies. We're delving into the deep, dark corners of history. But before we do, Lee, I think we should take a break. All right, let's hear some more information from our friends at Fourth Hand. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the waste vessel, the Black Swirl. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new stories, to seek out new laughs and new absurdity, to boldly go where no sci-fi podcast has gone before. Welcome to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. All right, we are back. We are here with Ray from the Fourth Hand Media Network. Say hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> you can't see this, Ray, but I just like pumped my fist in the air. That was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Ultimate dad fine. joke right there. <laughs> oh, you got me. Oh. <laughs> so, so guys, like we all know the President of the United States, Chief Executive, Commander-in-Chief, um, Head of the Executive Branch of Government, um, very important role, uh, bully pulpit, foreign, uh, oh, what's the word I was looking for? <laughs> Dealing with foreign dignitaries. He does all our foreign policy. Um, it's become like the powers of the president have expanded dramatically in the last hundred years. Um, so it's a big deal. Today is election day, but we're not going to talk about the conspiracies that are out there now because there are plenty of them um but we're tired of listening to that crap right <laughs> oh, <are you? laughs> sorry what was that dude? no i had a, I had a cough <laughs> oh. 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 wow sorry. i I thought you were gonna go with a classic they took our jobs <laughs> Uh, Oompa Loompas well, did and, take some people's jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're good singers, though. That's that's all that matters. <laughs> they that's are. Right. 
and they got those cute little dance numbers too. So good. <laughs> um, so, so Ray, just before we go back in time into our time machine, let me ask you one quick question about modern politics, and then we'll move on. What is your favorite modern political conspiracy theory? Uh, my favorite modern one. Um, you know, uh, one of the better ones, uh, and this is kind of pushing the modern one, is uh, the JFK assassination. And who did it, basically. Uh, that, that one's kind of just, it's its so interesting because um, my parents recently moved to Fort Worth. And I was uh, able to go visit Dallas and the Daily Plaza. And even there, there is there's a sign, like an official sign saying uh, where where the, uh, the book depository says Oswald allegedly shot JFK. Like wow! Even even a official sign from I forgot who actually made it. I think it was the city of Dallas put allegedly there, and so that that was is always a a favorite for me. And it's a, it's one of the biggest ones, obviously, because it's so um, it was videotaped, and it's just it's so so weird. The forty eight hours after uh, JFK's uh, JFK's death. So that's that's my favorite one. Yeah, well, in Oswald's defense, he was never convicted. That is very true. Um, and it, very quickly, we all know that he was actually arrested for uh, shooting a police officer. And then they kind of tried to, they, they got evidence uh, that he that, that linked him there to, to the JFK assassination. So you're right, he was never convicted either. Um, and he, he found out... His, uh, he was accused of it during a press conference um, that he was there. So it's kind of a, uh, a hard one to, to wrap your head around. Lee, what do you think about the, uh, the grassy knoll? You know, this one is tough. I, from the evidence that I've seen, I go back and forth. Um, I don't believe in the magic bullet theory. That being said, if you really look at the design of the vehicle, it is possible that that bullet could have had the pro or could have had a trajectory that would have occurred and caused the um, the wounds that that, that it did. Um, yeah. With yeah. that being said, I I think that um, Oswald was set up from the start. To be honest with you, I think that he was likely involved and could have very well been the shooter, um, but he was a patsy the entire time. Um, there's a possibility that he was sent up there to, to shoot him um, and uh, ended up uh, like not actually being the person that took the shot, just was placed in the right right place at the right time with the intention of doing it. So they had somebody to blame a real panel. Oh, the, uh, the, the X-Files uh, version of it. I like it. Uh, well, my favorite version is the Watchmen version where it's the comedian on the grassy knoll. That's okay. the best one. So, um, that's it. That's my only thing. Now, now it's time for us to keep our tinfoil hats on, but to strap into the Wayback Machine, because we are going to get into some old school conspiracies. So, here we go. All right. We're going back. We're going back to President Numero Uno, and it may not have been George Washington. Guys, have you heard this one? I have, uh, and it's kind of it's one of those where 
I guess the the way you want to you want to phrase and define president and United States at that time to where this conspiracy theory has legs and does not have legs. So it's gonna be interesting. I can't, I can't wait to to hear what you have to say about it. Yes. Yeah, so check it out, Lee. So the story goes I'm that sorry, George Washington. Okay, I'm with you now. <laughs> <laughs> George Washington was not the first president of the United States, question mark. Okay. Uh, the story alleges that a guy named John Hansen was actually the first president of the United States, and depending on uh, which post you see, he might have been a black man. What? Wait, uh, you know what? I was leaning a different way. I was leaning beautiful golden locks and um, uh, three brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so it turns out like this is so debunkable that it's not even funny. But it's one of those things, you know how th- these things go around on Facebook, Lee. Uh, <laughs> you're always sharing that crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't um, even read it first. I just read the headline and throw it up there. It works. Boom. Slick. Yeah, get it out there. Uh, <laughs> so Gotta spread the word. It, so it turns out that there were two guys named John Hansen, one of them who was very involved in American politics at the time, who was not a black man. He was very white. And a black man named John Hansen, who uh, did have some, uh, you know, political things that he did in his career but he actually did them in a, um, an African country called Liberia what yeah so um, so check it out Lee so white John Hansen was the president of was the first president of the Continental Congress under the Articles of Confederation which came before the Constitution so after the revolution, we won. Yay. They set up the Articles of Confederation, which was really based more around the legislature and the Congress. Um, the power was not as centralized with a government or a chief executive. And John Hansen was the president of the Continental Congress at that time. So he kind of was the first president after we won our freedom. But he wasn't actually the president in the role as defined by the constitution because the constitution didn't exist. So you're saying that there was a period of time when we were, when we had our independence, but we were not the United States of America. Yes. Well, no, we still were the United States of America. Uh, we just didn't operate under the current constitutional model of government that we have today. Wait, so there are other models of government? Yeah, dude. I didn't know that. Uh, so the states were a lot more decentralized. All the power was with the legislature. Um, but it turned out it didn't really work that well. And so the constitutional model was adopted. Um, and so there you go. And so white John Hansen uh, did have a very important role early on in American government. I feel like you uh, need to refer to him as John Hansen with a W. Well, okay, uh, John Hansen with a W. Um, on the other side, there was John Hansen uh, with more melanin. Um, with a B. He, he, was, he was a former slave 
um, who went to Liberia. This was like a thing. Uh, the country of Liberia was founded by former American slaves who went back to Africa because in the 1800s, like, that was what they thought might be best if just the black people just went back to Africa. I, I want to make a sarcastic joke here, but I think it would make people upset, so I'm going to leave it alone. Probably probably best not to touch that one. <laughs> yeah, that's one that I, I am not capable of, um, of making, so moving past it. Yeah, so uh, again, this is a this is like very 19th century thinking, like oh, just just have them go. And you know what? To some then, of the then why do people why do some people in America still think like that? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right, for sure. The uh, more things change, the more they stay the same. That's why. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Unfortunately, that's true. unfortunately. Um, but you can imagine why this would appeal to people who wanted to immigrate because you know it's a new land, new opportunities. Um, better than living in a place where you're constantly persecuted and threatened with being recaptured and sold back into slavery, just go back to Africa, set up your own country. Um, and in fact, the capital of Liberia, Monrovia, named for a president of the United States, James Monroe. Boom. Fact. Wow. There you go. Cool. So... So we got we're gonna have all kinds of facts that I can sprinkle in here throughout this little deal, if you guys want. I got all I got all kinds. You yeah, ready please do. More? Okay, check it out. So we started with Washington, right? Next president was Adams, and then we come up to Jefferson. Everyone knows old Tommy J uh, wrote the Declaration of Independence, but he also. Uh, how do I put this? Uh, did some canoodling with uh one of his uh slaves uh miss sally hemmings um and they had a child and all that sort of razzmatazz what is not very well known check this out is that sally hemmings might actually have been a half sister to thomas jefferson's wife yeah nice tommy nice. j's father-in-law also did some canoodling and Sally Hemings could have been the product of uh, him and a slave. So he was, he could have been hooking up with sisters for all we know. Tom, um, and what, what a cute what, mofo. Yeah. So what, and then what some historians are saying is um, the, the resemblance between Thomas Jefferson's uh, first wife, and Sally Hemings, I think I think uh, Thomas Jefferson's wife died before him, and when he kind of started the canoodling, I guess we could say, um, it looked like Sally Hemings um, looked a lot like his wife, and so there's kind of there's kind of that that theory that that's why he picked her over many other of his slaves, which is. Weird in itself as well. So, um, yeah, there is, yeah, <laughs> there is a great sketch from Key and Peel about this and am and ancestry.com. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, guys. So, let's let's move past the uh, the canoodling and the racial stuff because now we're going to get into the conspiracy stuff. All right, gotcha. John Quincy Adams, right. Uh, he became president eventually. 
He allegedly kept an alligator in the White House. That's cool. But check it out. Old JQA, he lost the popular vote and lost the electoral vote to Andrew Jackson, still became president. Nice. So um, explain. So what happened was in the election, no one won a majority of the electoral college votes. So the U.S. House of Representatives had to decide who would be the president. Um, so he didn't like he just tied for the electoral college then. Yeah, no, it wasn't, so that, it wasn't a tie. He lost. Jackson got more votes in the electoral college than he did. Yes, were there multiple candidates? Yes, yeah, there was uh, yeah. three candidates. Okay, now uh, I'm with you. And so what happened was some re- wheeling and dealing and promises here, promises there. And uh, I think it took a few months and a few ballots actually to be taken um, because there were still some uh, House representatives or there were still some representatives that wanted to, uh, wanted to keep... Um, their third party candidate, not third party, I'm sorry, third candidate in in there. So there's, they would give some votes and they would just, they would be tying again and again. And so finally, uh, John Quincy Adams and his, um, I guess you could say co- uh, cohort, um, started to kind of go towards those people and trying to take some of the votes. And he ended up winning, um, which stinks for Jackson until you realize a few, a few presidents later, he's president. So, um, spoiler alert for that one. Right. <laughs> and he's a great big a-hole, Andrew Jackson. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. By far, but, um, very but yeah, Tennessee. So, we just did Tennessee ghost stories. So props to Andrew Jackson. Yeah. Uh, but so you can imagine Lee, like this, sort of stuff spawned a lot of ghosts or not ghost stories, conspiracies, right? I mean, you got the house picking who's going to be the president, um, like multiple ballots. I think it's like 18 ballots or something they had to take before they finally picked the president. Uh, it might've been more than that. I don't remember. So this led to a lot of uh, anti-elitist sentiment amongst the population and helped give rise to the anti-Mason party. There was a whole political party that ran candidates for president that had one issue, their opposition to Freemasonry. Fair. I mean, I think that one's fair. How well, many- I don't know. I've never been a Mason. I've met some people who are Masons and they didn't seem like they were bad. I'm not saying they are bad. I'm just saying that I think it's fair. I, I think that not every um, president needs to come from uh, a Masonic organization. And let's be real. How many, like, as far as, the, especially in the, in the 1800s, how many of them were Masons? Oh, yeah, lots. Or lots. Skull and Bones. Or something of that yeah. nature. Yeah. So, so the anti-Mason party formed after a prominent critic of Freemasonry uh, disappeared in upstate New York. Um, they eventually had governorships in Vermont and Pennsylvania. And then in 1832 and 1836, they ran candidates for president. Uh, <laughs> so in 1832, it was a guy named William Ritt, who was a former president who earned 
uh, Ray, you're going to love this. 7.78% of the popular vote. That is, uh, <laughs> these days, pretty good for a third-party candidate. Very, very much so. Um, and so in 1836, they wanted William Henry Harrison, who did eventually become president as a Whig, um, but he couldn't like confirm to them and prove to them that he wasn't a Mason. <laughs> 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 I know, wild, right? It, it sounds like <laughs> well, it sounds it like better, he's like, better, no, no, guys, better. I'm really not a cop. I'm not, I'm not a cop, <laughs> no, guys. I'm not. No, a cop. guys. <laughs> if I was a cop, I have to tell you that's the law. <laughs> 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 so, in 1840, the anti-Mason party nominated William Henry Harrison again, but so did the Whigs. <laughs> They, like, swiped the candidate from the anti-Masons, and that effectively ended the national aspirations of the anti-Mason party. Man, those wigs taking it again. (laughs) (laughs) You got to watch out for those wascally wigs. They'll just swipe right in. Exactly. Somebody needed to slap them on the head and slay um, swipeys, no swipers. Swiper. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that's crazy, wild and crazy. And as we speak of the wigs, that gets us to uh, the one that I really went into, and Ray looked into some too. Zachary Taylor. All right. So Zachary Taylor, before he was president, uh, was a general who became famous uh, for his actions in the Mexican-American War. Uh, He won victories at the Battle of Monterey, and he defeated Santa Ana, the Napoleon of the West, at the Battle of Buena Vista, despite being massively outnumbered and in defiance of his orders. Santa Ana was no joke, though, guys. Oh, for sure. Yeah. um, I watched some videos about the battles. If Santa Ana's commanders underneath him had been halfway decent they would have wiped old zachary taylor off the map in these battles but what are you gonna do um taylor did also pick a very good and defensible position for buena vista but that's neither here nor there um so taylor was not a politician at all before he became president he was a military man through and through check this out guys he never even voted before he became president. Nice. I, I never voted before I became president either. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, it's actually interesting because... <laughs> so Zachary Taylor is actually the first president without holding a prior political office. Um, so that's kind of very interesting. Like, like you mentioned, I mean... The guy doesn't vote. How can you vote for yourself? Basically, I wonder. If, I wonder if he voted for himself, or was he going to keep the keep going with the no voting? Was he going to be like, I'm going to vote one time. It'll be for me, or did he just go, you know what? I'll let the people decide. I kind of want to know yeah. that one. So, so it's kind of crazy. Um, he was he was very principled as a military officer, and he didn't want to vote for a commander in chief. 
uh, or vote against a commander in chief who he would have to take orders from um, because he thought that would create just some resentment and animosity. So he didn't even want to deal with it. So, you know, props to him for having that kind of dedication to uh, his military service. Um, he was the last Whig to be voted president. Uh, he was a native Kentuckian. And he was the last Southern president we had until um, Woodrow Wilson was elected. And we got more on Wilson coming up. Um, but it's kind of crazy because, like, he was a Southerner, um, but he was opposed to the expansion of slavery. So he got a lot of votes in the South because people thought he was a Southerner and he was pro-slavery. But he had never been a politician or put out his political positions and he got a lot of votes in the North because he was a Whig, and people thought that he'd bring in California as a free state, which he really wanted to do. So, like, it was it was a really weird mix of both. So are you saying that he deceived the public and got the vote? No, he just didn't have a lot out there. Like, people didn't know what he really stood for. Unwittedly deceiving is still deceiving. Uh, you know, the party picked him because he had name recognition, not because of his politics. Okay. Yeah. Very reminiscent of someone I can think of who had no political experience and who won mostly based on name recognition, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> Ray, I'm sorry for interrupting you earlier. Oh, no. I, uh, I was going to say that... Uh, he with the with the media um, back then would, or lack thereof, you can't really hear everything that people are wanted. So that's how you kind of get to sneak those those votes in. You get to kind of say, "Ah, oh, I'm here," <laughs> and uh, it's always good to 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 play that card of, I mean, if you want to vote for me, vote for me for on, on your views, not mine. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people put, like, projected their political views onto him. So, anyways, after the Mexican-American War and after he's elected, um, there is a big debate about whether all of this new territory should become free states or slave states. Um, and this eventually led to the Compromise of 1850, which a lot of historians point at as being kind of part of the cause of the Civil War. Um and Taylor actually opposed that compromise, but he never got to he never got a chance to veto it because he died while he was in office, like a year in. Ah. So check this out, guys. Have you heard the story of Zachary Taylor's death is absolutely crazy. The official story is so like 19th century, so 1800s that it almost hurts. Okay. 4th of July, 1850. Zachary Taylor gets up. He goes out to celebrate the new Washington Monument. They're going to lay down the cornerstone and dedicate uh, the monument that's going to be built uh, to George Washington. All right? So he goes out. He has some iced milk and cherries. He gets back to the White House. It's a very hot day in the summertime. Has, a, has some water and stuff like that. Eats some other food. Um, and then gets a severe stomach condition 
gives him violent diarrhea. Four days later, boom, dead as a doornail. Well, that's what that's what cherries and milk do. They ferment in your stomach, <laughs> and uh, and and they actually expand. And the human body is not capable of um, of absorbing that much um, alcohol and um, expanding fruit and um, milk. So uh, they turn into like a ticking time bomb in your stomach. And then it starts coming out of both ends and then it starts coming out of your nose. And then, and then before you know it, <laughs> dead. <laughs> oh, cocaine Ray, in the blood. I don't know about that, Ray. <laughs> I think that sounds a little bit uh, like you're talking out your ass. <laughs> right? What do you think? I, I wish, I wish, I think Zachary Taylor was talking out of his ass during those times. Um, but I, I think that uh, you'll kind of go into this a little bit based on what kind of the uh, the conspiracy of it. But I mean, health back in back in that day, we didn't really know how to uh, the height the hygiene that that was needed. And so I'll let you go go on um, with this the story. Uh, but also, that was one of the greatest. Uh, things I've heard from Lee was the cherries fermenting and all that other stuff. That was that was great scientific. I think um, I wish we could experiment that because that sounds like a great way of, of finding out. We got to experiment. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's test it out, um, guys. I, I don't Lee, know if you know this, no but I'm goes. very scientific in my research. It's researchology. So scientific. Researchology, okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this is a this is a pretty crazy story, the whole cherries and milk tale. Um, but who knows? Like it could have been something he ate, caused some gastroenteritis or something like that. Um, more likely, he could have contracted cholera. Um, Washington D.C. built on a swamp, uh, a city that had bad water and open sewers. You know, it's just not a good combination. Um, exactly so so who knows what kind of stomach bug he did catch but he kicked the bucket um some historians think his naivety could have contributed to the civil war some think his commitment to um maintaining the union might have put it off had he lived um interesting tidbit he was connected to some other presidents um James Madison was his second cousin. And when he was, when Taylor wanted to join the army, he got his commission as an officer because he was related to a president. And then it turns out that none other than Confederate president Jefferson Davis was Zachary Taylor's son-in-law. Oh, yeah. I know. So maybe him having some connection to an influential Southern politician could have helped put off the Civil War. Who knows? But there are some theories going out there that he didn't die of a disease or cherries and milk. There's some ideas that he may have been bum, 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 poisoned. Terminated. That, that's a fun one. Of course, it's classic uh, 1800s stuff, arsenic poisoning, right? Um, and maybe he did have some uh, opponents, uh, Southern 
Southern Democrats who were pro-slavery, who didn't like his positions on uh, California and popular sovereignty, that sort of thing. So could be a deal. Um, but a lot of those conspiracy theories that were contemporaneous to his death died off. And they were eventually picked up again in the 70s by an author named Clara Rising, who was so convinced about this arsenic theory, she talked with his last surviving relatives and got Taylor's, like, great-great-grandkids to have his body exhumed in 1991 and tested for arsenic poisoning. Actually, it was dedication, really. I wonder if it was if the if the if the son was if the grandson or whoever it was was kind of saying like you know what Zachary Taylor's name hasn't been said in a while in history books let's do it let's see what happens and yeah, it's like, well, as, long, as long as they don't have to pay for anything just just dig them up whatever <laughs> yeah that's true yeah um, very true uh, he was interred in Louisville Kentucky um, and the coroner there uh, this you know. They paid for it all, so... Yeah, that's a good point you make. Um, but the tests proved um, that it he didn't have fatal levels of arsenic in those tissues that they tested, so seems unlikely that he was poisoned to death. But not that he didn't have any arsenic. Let's be very clear, this is the 1800s. Exactly. Well, yeah, you know, have some arsenic, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> some- and actually... Oh, sorry. Uh, but actually, in 2010, uh, to kind of show how how well this theory is actually kind of still going about in, with historians, uh, a person by Michael Parenti, uh, he said that it could be natural or maybe not. So so he kind of threw a wrench in it saying, uh, let's see what happens. I mean, it could be, could it be, we don't know, but uh, let's, let's go along with with the uh, the historians. So it was, it was kind of interesting to see that being kind of an official stance of, a, of someone who did that research. It was one of those um, yes, but also probably not kind of thing. Um, so it, that, that's kind of an interesting thing that I, I didn't really know. I didn't know about the Zachary Taylor um, assass- well, assassination or poison um, theory. I knew that he he died in a year into his term, but I didn't know that he was uh, potentially assassinated. So um, I, just thought, I thought that was interesting that even in 2010, uh, this is still kind of getting some leeway. Yeah, I think in, uh, until Harrison came around, he might have been the shortest serving president. I think he was like, he's probably second shortest of all the presidents uh, for his time in office. So. And, and the thing is, the time that he was in office was very contentious, and there were a lot of conspiracy theories, and they persist to this day. And I just wonder what conspiracy theories that we talk about now in presidential politics will still be talked about, you know, 100, 150 years from now. Yeah, that's, that's always an interesting one. And that kind of also goes along with how people remember Zachary Taylor. Um, he is one of the few, not few, he's one of the, unfortunately, many presidents that we that we think of nowadays are, that are quote-unquote, unfor- uh, sorry, quote-unquote forgettable. 
Um, there's a lot of those presidents that kind of just served their term and then left office. Um, with his such a short term, uh, he kind of gets either lucky or unluckily, depending on what his his uh, he was going to do with the presidency. He's going to be known as un- he's going to be known as forgettable because of the short term. Um, and I think a lot of the a lot of the conspiracy theories that we see nowadays, or most of them, will not be really talked about. There's one or two I'll think of, but um, those are kind of the ones that we that we hear a lot about anyway. So um, I think I think in most cases, just like uh, back then, most of these would die off. And once the once the people get out of office or pass away or whatever it may be. So um, hopefully, because some of these are kind of lame compared to some of the other ones like this assassination over or a, a stomach disease is pretty awesome actually i mean for us as consp- as conspiracy theorists not necessarily for zachary taylor of course <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um it is very interesting there are a lot of like boring presidents out there uh calvin coolidge comes to mind instantly he was known as silent cal um, and he like hardly ever spoke. And at a one of the stories is at a dinner party, some lady um, bet that she could get three words out of the president of the United States, Calvin Coolidge. And so they're at this dinner party. She's chatting him up the whole time. The guy doesn't say a damn thing the whole time. President of the United States, dinner party at the White House, doesn't speak at all. And before she leaves, he looks at her and says, you lose. <laughs> that, that is one of my favorite presidential stories of all time, because one, you can't really co- uh, corroborate it. And two, even if so, what did you want to be that? Would you want to be that person who said, yeah, I lost a hundred bucks because of that? Or however the, <laughs> whatever the bet was. That, that's, right. that's, just like, that's crazy. Yeah. Lee, most boring president. Go. Wow, um, put me on the spot here. I, um, Gerald Ford. Ooh, not exactly. I got some fun facts about old I mean, Jerry. I mean, I know that he was. I know that he was into um, UFOs, which I love. Um, but other than that, well, you just wait, son, because we got some more. But I think we need to take a break. So, guys, we'll be back with fun presidential facts right after this. Hello! (laughs) This is Dr. Boris Orlock, the host of the Happy Horror Coffee Break Old Time Horror Radio Show Podcast. What is a podcast? (laughs) I don't know. But I do know every other week, I, along with my happy robot assistant, Iris... Bite me. Not a butler. Garth. Garfunkel. Why, hello. And the heavily depressed, demon-possessed, steady bear. Crappy. I did some bad stuff in my life. Take on a slew of comedian, author, musician, and whatever else guests and ask them the questions that nobody cares about. Then they help us to turn online scary stories into old-timey horror radio dramas. 
Come and join the fun. There's music and t-shirts. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Schlapstick, Hard Knockers, and whatever else made up name. They give the podcast platforms nowadays. So settle down, tune in, and enjoy your happy horror coffee break. Dan was just regaling us with a bunch of stories about uh, things that us as uh, American citizens shouldn't know about. Um, but if, I mean, if we're trying to get our citizenship, we should probably know about it. But other than that, let's just sleep through um, through whatever's going on next. Okay, Dan, back to you. Yeah, so check it out. Okay, more fun presidential facts. Uh, Martin Van Buren was like the eighth president of the United States. Also ran as a third-party candidate, Ray. He was a free soil candidate for president after he only served, uh, I think, one term as president. So hey, one, one term is one term. There we go. There you I go. worked as a win. I worked as a win. <laughs> uh, so in Martin Van Buren's autobiography, he never once mentions his own wife. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lee, how would your girlfriend take it if you wrote uh, the like story of your life? I just omitted her. You know, I'm not. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it wouldn't necessarily go over well. Um, <laughs> you think? <laughs> no, I, I. I feel like I feel like she would be a little bit insulted that I wasn't important enough to at least footnote in her in my book about me, right? <laughs> But um, I, I feel like it wouldn't necessarily go over as bad as if I had listed my ex, but not her. Oh, yeah, that would be even oh, worse. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That would be a, in memory of at the end. That would be in memory of me. That would be a posthumous, posthumous publication. <laughs> yes. So, Ray, this is your chance to shout out the most important lady in your life who would have to be included in your autobiography. Go. Hi, Mom. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. That was perfect. No, that was great. Um, so... Ray's sad. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I, I, I know. I'm, I'm laughing through my tears. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> So after Zachary Taylor was president, his vice president, Millard Fillmore, stepped in. Millard Fillmore was a bibliophile. Uh, he really loved to read. And when a fire broke out at the Library of Congress, he left to go personally fight it. Like with fists? <laughs> 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 it was the 1800s. <laughs> like they were like, "You take this fire, pow!" Right in the kisser. <laughs> That's how they fought fires in the 1800s. <laughs> oh, sorry. I say, conflagration! I challenge thee to a duel. Oh, Ray. Turn around. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Pistols at ten paces. I, I, you broke me, Ray. Like that was great. <laughs> so very good, very good stuff. Um, William Howard Taft, uh, infamous for being the fattest president. Um, lots of stories about him, like getting stuck in a White House bathtub and that sort of thing. After the presidency served as a Supreme Court justice, the only president who did that. So props to him. Yeah. And then Woodrow Wilson, our next Southern president, after Zachary Taylor, kept sheep on the White House lawn. Sheep. He was saying that the lawn was bad. So he had to he had to go get sheep. <laughs> oh my God. Right. <laughs> he just wanted his own sheeple. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, well, Ray, there's a lot more to old Woodrow Wilson than uh, 19 points apiece and sheep on the lawn and that sort of stuff. Um, what else can you tell us about the Wilson presidency? Okay. Well, uh, thank you for that. Uh, so Woodrow Wilson is a 20th president. Uh, he ran as a Democrat. Before that, he was a New Jersey governor. Um, and so he uh, he was president from 1913 to 1921. Uh, and for those history buffs out there, you know that World War One was a lot of that time of of him being president. Uh, so he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1919, one of the first few presidents to do that. Uh, I think Teddy Roosevelt is uh, the one of the first ones. Uh, so he he was a uh, he was married at first with uh, Ellen Axon. So um, she died in 1914 uh, with Bright's disease. Or there's a small conspiracy with this. So during uh, Woodrow's time as New Jersey governor, he, he had a lot of strokes. Uh, his health was bad. So he went on vacation a lot to um, the Caribbean. And that's where he met Edith Bowling. Uh, and they hit it off, and uh, they became pen pals. Uh, some may say more than pen pals, uh, but as far as we know at this point, they were just pen pals. And uh, at in 1914, Alan Axon died, like I mentioned. And there is back then there was a waiting period of, of at least one year of mourning where uh, you have to wear all black. You have to like, you can't go out at all. You can't. You can't look happy at all for at least one year, um, which makes sense for for those for the people that lose a significant other, a spouse. Um, but he he actually proposed to Edith Bowling six months after Ellen Axon's death. Six months. Scandal. Uh, scandal. Exactly. That in itself is a scandal. So when that happened, not long after the death. Uh, they married in 1915, and so that got some news reporters and some of the popul- uh, populace in Washington D.C. to uh, think that maybe uh, Edith and Woodrow uh, conspired to kill Ellen to get her out of the picture, so that they could marry and become the first couple of, of Washington D.C. and the and the United States. Uh, that quickly died off, though, because it just it was, there was no real concrete evidence. It was just uh, it was a shame, but nothing 
nothing concrete of saying there is a two people trying to kill her. Um, okay, so as I mentioned, Rudrow Wilson's health was just bad. All of his life was just terrible. Um, there was there, there's been at least four strokes that he he suffered through at least that we know of four. Uh, the fourth one is the most important one that that kind of brings up to this this conspiracy theory. Uh, so this stroke, uh, he was touring around the, the United States at the time, uh, proposing the nineteen the nineteen points of peace, the, the peace treaty, of, uh, to go to Versailles and to be part of the United Nations. I'm sorry, uh, the United. Um, the League, the of, League Nations. of Nations, yeah, the League, the of Nations. League of Nations at that time. I, I won those words correct. I went with the United. Uh, so the League of Nations, um, because the the Congress were just not big fans of it, uh, and so he just kind of went to the people, saying, "Hey, if you guys like it, tell your Congress people you like it." That kind of thing. Uh, so he went on this. Tour. They don't have those a lot anymore. Those whistle stop tours. You get on a exactly. train, you go around the country, stand on the rail car, give a speech. Boom, head to the next town. Exactly. And so uh, at, at one point when they're in the West Coast, Woodrow Wilson starts kind of losing his appetite, losing uh, his sense of uh, feeling and this, just different things. Um, and his doctor kind of said, hey, let's, let's take a break. Let's, let's not hit that next stop. Let's just kind of keep going a little bit further, uh, get you rested. He said, no, we got to keep we got to keep going with this. Uh, so September 25th in ni- 1919, he he suffered a stroke. He was uh, he was either uh, going to going to the bathroom, going to or coming from the bathroom, and he he felt he's on the floor. And Edith dragged him to the bed, or Edith finds him in the bed, one of the two. Uh, but it, at some point, Edith. Uh, sees Woodrow in the bed. He gets Doctor Grayson, his the the uh, physician. And they find out this is a stroke, and he loses uh, he loses his sight for a little bit. He loses his feeling. Uh, the feeling will not come back, uh, but he loses his feeling. And so this is 1919. This is two years into his second term, and he is basically unconscious for for the rest of the train ride. Um, he's he just not fit to be president uh, with health wise. But Edith knows that one, Woodrow Wilson would not give up his power just for some some lame health excuse. Uh, he wouldn't, uh, and he, he doesn't want to give it to his vice president uh, because she thinks that he is just is too powerful, and she also uh, doesn't want to see him give up the power as well. So, uh, so then after that, she kind of makes the executive decision. And I use that term specifically, executive decision, to uh, kind of start making making some of the making up some of the rules on who gets to see Woodrow Wilson, who, what mail gets in front of Woodrow Wilson, what bills. So Congress uh, would would make these bills up, and it would be sent to the president to either veto or approve. Um, and so she she her job was basically the secretary, as she puts it. Uh, so she she wrote an autobiography and she says that she was the secretary basically. She was the one that kind of told made appointments for certain people. Uh, she made uh, she read the mail, read the bills to him, this and that. Uh, what some historians are saying though is she may have secretly been the executive 
uh, person, the president of the United States, in uh, in all but title, basically, because Woodrow Wilson was just so out of it, and she was making all the all the decisions basically without anyone else seeing her talk to Woodrow Wilson. Uh, it looks a lot like she was the president uh, for the last two years. Uh, she and she fought off. She fought off uh, Woodrow Wilson having an impeachment uh, trial. She got enough people to kind of get some support Woodrow Wilson to not be impeached, but she fought it off. Now, for Edith's, um, Edith's, I guess, point of view is, again, she was a secretary. She was, she was just a wife, um, all this, all that. But, again, historians are kind of saying, for what she did... Uh, whether she likes it or not, that sounds a lot like a president. Um, and some people are saying that that's, that wasn't good because there could have been bills and other things in front of it that she just didn't, that she didn't like that maybe should have been passed or shouldn't have been passed or whatever it may be. But um, the right. last and two years... she wasn't elected either, right? <laughs> and, she wasn't exactly, and she wasn't elected. So she was basically just being the president without being elected or even being in a position to be in a position to be president. She, she wasn't a vice president. She wasn't speaker of the house. Um, so forth. And uh, all those, um, all the other succession. So, um, so there's the conspiracy theory that for the last two years of Virgil Wilson's uh, presidency, it was actually Edith Bowling Wilson who was president. Um, yes, I love that story, Ray. I love it um, because there's a lot to it um, that a lot of people don't think about. Lee, are you familiar with the 25th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States? Uh, yeah, the 25th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is where I am allowed to wear my pants inside the bathtub every other Thursday, but not on Tuesdays. No, it is... That's the 23rd. That's the 23rd, buddy. Oh, that's the 23rd. My bad. My bad. No, the 25th Amendment is essentially where they set up the guidelines for um, succession. So essentially, you know, you got the president, you've got the vice president. But what if both the president and the vice president are, are knocked out? Then who's in charge? Then who's in charge? And then... And so on and so forth. Yeah, correct. Well, at the time of... Woodrow Wilson's illness, the 25th Amendment didn't exist. So it was just in the Constitution, the way it was spelled out then, it was president, then the vice president, and then another officer who they deemed fit, right? Like they, there was just nothing after that. Um, My Nemo. Right. And so, and the wording of it, like, how the president could be declared incapacitated wasn't exactly clear. And so Edith wouldn't say that Woodrow Wilson was incapacitated. His doctor wouldn't say that Woodrow Wilson was incapacitated. The vice president wouldn't take power unless they would say he was incapacitated or there was an act of Congress. And so like everything was just stalled out, like no one could do anything. And Edith Wilson was like, kind of, sort of, the first lady president of the United States. Exactly. Yes. That's pretty awesome. That's, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and you know what's actually really funny, too, is after Wilson's stroke, they staged some photos of him, like, working alongside Edith. And she would always stage the photo so you couldn't see his paralyzed left side and all this sort of stuff. Um, kind of reminds me of another president who was just in the hospital and they took some photos of him working, you know, to prove that he was on the job and A-OK. You know what I which, mean? Which, by the way, not political whatsoever, but oh my gosh, were those horrible... Um, were those just horribly taken? Like, I know, I know they're supposed to be like, oh, this is just like he's working, he didn't even notice when you take the picture of Mike. My goodness, that was right, it's like the the place. publicity shot ever. <laughs> exactly, so you could you could just comb your hair a little bit, buddy. Like, even if you got out of bed, I know we all got bad head and all, but like, my god, was that oh, bad? No, don't say anything about that hair, Ray. That is that is a verboten topic. That is off limits. We got to 86 this right now. We we just got canceled permanently. They shut us down. Thanks, Ray. Uh, yeah. The NSA is probably knocking on my door right now. My bad. <laughs> okay. Well, moving past the first lady president of the United States, we already talked about old silent cow. Um, Warren G. Harding's philanderings have become very famous now since it, they've been featured on last week tonight. Uh, <laughs> and especially, especially the part where he had a nickname for his penis. Evidently, Warren G. Harding, not the only president to have a nickname for his penis. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, so allegedly, also, FDR liked to skinny dip. That was one of his things. Um, I guess, like, I don't know if you know this, guys, but, like, swimming naked was, like, supposed to be the way to do it in the early 1900s and 1800s. Like, if you went yeah. to the pool. Uh, I think Theodore Roosevelt would uh, swim naked in the, in the uh, Potomac, like, every morning. Literally every morning of his presidency. Yeah. Teddy um, Roosevelt, John Quincy Adams... Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, a bunch of presidents have all been linked to skinny dipping. Uh, JFK, I think, too. But he was probably doing it with, like, hot blondes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I have a theory behind that, actually. Uh, have you ever tried to swim in a wool wetsuit? No, no, I well, have Well, they That's have. That is a good point you make, Lee. Uh, I've never swim in a woolen swimming suit, so I guess, yeah, maybe naked was the way to go. But, dude, like, back in the day, like, if you went to, like, P.E. class in high school and you were doing swimming, you had to swim naked. That's weird. This happened all the way up into, like, the 50s. It was crazy. Hmm. That's, that's yeah. weird to me. Yeah, super awkward. Um... <laughs> So next uh, fun fact, I got one for old Harry S. Truman. Um, Lee, do you know what S stands for? Harry S. Truman. Samantha. Good guess. Good guess. Ray, you got a guess? Uh, I will go with the S stands for S. It's just, it's just S. That's my guess. Ray, ding, 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 you are correct. Wow. His parents couldn't decide what they wanted it to stand for, so they just put S. 
Nice. I think like one of them wanted it to be like Simpson or something like that. And the other one wanted it to be ship. And since they couldn't decide, they just put down S and that was it. <laughs> well, hey, that's compromising. That's, that's a great compromise though. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, Harry S. Truman, also the recipient of the first uh, Medicare card. The first? Yeah, the very first. Uh, when Medicare was passed uh, under LBJ, uh, FDR, or not FDR, but Truman was the first one to get a card. Huh. I feel like... Yeah, it was a very publicity stunt sort of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's just not cool. Like... <laughs> There's a lot well, of other. He was people. a former president. He was old. He should get Medicare. Come on. Well, I, I mean, yes, but I bet you there's a lot of other people in the world that could have used Medicare more than him. Well, yeah, but it was uh, Lee. It was to get people to get into it, so they got the old president in, so people would be into it. All right, whatever. Jeez, <laughs> Lee, so cynical, so cynical. Our politics have really soured you, Lee. It's not the politics. There's no more civility. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the politics. It's the lack of intelligence. I'm sorry. I'll I'll leave. If you want me to leave, I'll leave. (laughs) (laughs) You're not Joe Peck. You can stay. (laughs) This is Ray chiming in as the third party candidate. Like, oh, you two guys. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just back off here for a second. Um, Well, Lee, I think before we get to your stories and the next president, I think we should take another short break. All right, I guess. We'll be back with more after this. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the waste vessel, the Black Swirl. It's ongoing mission to explore strange news stories, to seek out new laughs and new absurdity, to boldly go where no sci-fi podcast has gone before. Welcome to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. And we're back. We are talking presidential fun facts, oddities, conspiracies, Wild and crazy stuff here on Election Day 2020. Head to the polls. Make your decision if you haven't voted already. Lee, we're up to uh, old Dwight David Eisenhower. And I hear you got a story about Ike. I like Ike. I I like Ike. He's a good guy. Ike is a good guy. Ike did a lot of things for the American people. And allegedly, Mr. Dwight D. Eisenhower had a secret meeting, actually multiple secret meetings with the Greys in an attempt to broker a, I guess, treaty with them. So here's you the- mean like, uh, the Greys, like the family down the street from the White House? No, not the Greys from... They're, you know, they're they're a family. They're they're not down the street from the White House. They're uh, several um, hundred thousand light years from the White House. Actually, um, we're talking gray aliens, Dan. Ooh, bum, bum, bum. 
So, let's set the stage. Dwight takes, um, sorry, President Eisenhower takes over for President Truman. Uh, in the process, uh, huh? You can call him Dwight. Okay, so Dwight takes over for Harry, right? <laughs> right. Okay. And in the process of the transition, Harry hands Dwight a file, and it's a heavy one. It's a big one, and it is on a top secret project called Majestic 12 that Truman had established by an executive order. I didn't know we knew about executive orders at this point, but we we do, apparently. Oh, yeah, that was the thing. That was the thing. So Majestic 12 uh, allegedly consisted of a group of scientists, military personnel, and other government officials who worked together to understand and communicate with UFOs and extraterrestrials. Eisenhower was extremely interested in UFOs and ETs, and there's evidence that he met with ETs secretly at least three times. Once, really? at a, yes, evidence, evidence. You say, uh, according to this article um, from Gaia.com. Oh yes, that's almost as good as the New York Times. Continue. You're welcome. <laughs> We're talking conspiracy theories, right? I just want to point that out. No, no, no. <laughs> I hope you weren't expecting me to get legit, like, like. I was, I was looking for, I was looking for, like, biblical stuff. I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> In this age of fake news, I guess Guy is almost as good as the New York Times, actually. Continually. I'm sorry. I was, I was poo-pooing on you. I keep interrupting during your time. The debate moderator needs to cut me off. The best part is, is I was doing that to you the whole time anyway, and I drew a Mothman. Um, I, you know, at least Ray gave me a thumbs up. Did that, <laughs> but did that Mothman have a sweet ass like the statue? No, he did not have that much <laughs> ass. See, that's we're going to work on that. You got to do the Mothman drawing from the backside and then have him turning around and kind of giving you know, one of those looks, you know, like look over your shoulder and growl like a dragon. Dan, please don't demonstrate. <laughs> don't demonstrate. Just no. <laughs> okay, continue. Continue. All right. Yes, supposed evidence, according to Gaia.com, of at least three separate meetings. Once at Edward Air Force Base. Oh, okay. Once, oh, sorry, twice at Holman Air Force Base in New Mexico. Oh, New Mexico. Yes. Ooh, yeah. The plot thickens. So Eisenhower used to be a five-star general, right? Um, yeah. He, had a strong... he won WW2. He but, won. But w... When you when you get do five stars, you're always a five-star. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, it says who had been. I don't know why. <laughs> Speaking of five stars, give us a review. <laughs> Continue. You can get downgraded from five stars by one negative review that calls you um, something along the lines of um, childish and misinformed. Um, oh, just wait till they hear this. So many facts. And we're getting <laughs> deep into it now. These are the real facts right here. Hit us with it, Lee. Come on, sheeple. Stay with me. <laughs> so, as a five star, he had a strong belief in other planets. I also believe in other planets. <laughs> you know, I see Venus in the night sky. I'm not completely convinced. <laughs> I feel like 
like there's a word missing there. <laughs> All right, right, so, right, sorry, sorry. Okay, back to back to this. Um, in February of 1954, he was spending several days in Palm Springs on vacation, and he disappeared for several hours one Saturday afternoon, and even missed a scheduled public dinner, and was not seen again until late the following morning. When the press questioned Ike about his whereabouts, the, the press secretary told them he had chipped a tooth and had gone to see a dentist. Even at that time, rumors were that he was visiting ETs at nearby Edward Air Force Base. The dentist's story falls apart upon close inspection. Of his teeth? I'm assuming they inspected his teeth. <laughs> All right, let me show smile right. Let's go. <laughs> I guess we got another president we have to exhume to look at his dental work. <laughs> so the Eisenhower Presidential Library has detailed reports of Eisenhower's medical and dental records, and there's no reference to a broken or chipped tooth or dentist visit related to the Palm Springs visit. The library Ooh. also has copies and acknowledgments that there were sent to everyone that Eisenhower had contact with while in Palm Springs. There were records of people who he met on an airplane, people who sent flowers. The minister who gave the sermon the sun, at the Sunday service he attended. Others who played minor roles, but there was no proof or note of the dentist. Years later, the dentist's widow said she had no recollection of ever being told by her husband that he had done dental work for the president. Dun, dun, dun. Intriguingly intriguing. Hey, where is the Eisenhower library? Is that in like Kansas? Let's find out. I think so. Anyways, I like it, Lee. I like it a lot. Uh, especially if there's like no proof in the paperwork about this story but at the same time ray maybe you know have you ever you know called into work with brent and john and like pretended that you had something really bad like a chipped tooth and that you had to go to the dentist and take all day off work that that's never happened oh. to you has it Ray? no i call it i call it a regular tuesday um, this, is, this isn't recorded, is it? <laughs> We're no, recording, are we? No, we'll to hear this. Don't worry. No. Okay, good. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, every Tuesday. <laughs> nice. Nice, dude. So, so what, you're trying to, what you're trying to portray here, Dan, is maybe he wasn't um, visiting gray aliens. Maybe he was on a bender or just hanging out with some old buddies or well, getting he was some definitely strange. covering up for something. Yeah, he was definitely covering up for something. Whether it was aliens or not, I can't say. But uh, it's it sounds like a cover up for sure. Yeah. So there there was almost definitely a cover up there, and I I agree with that. If you look at that stuff, um, did he meet with gray aliens and um, and broker a treaty between them and uh, the U.S. government uh, to hypothetically allow? Uh, the aliens to take certain amounts of people and do experiments on them as long as they put them back, as long as they put them back um, with relatively no memory and uh, possibly set up an underground base where they could do genetic experimentation on other people as well as other alien groups and get into a war with somebody 
are with the U.S. military many years later, and uh, and create human alien hybrids. Dump, dump, dump. Exactly. Uh, that, escalated, that escalated very quickly. That went from like zero to sixty, from sixty to six hundred. I like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we we're going all the way. That is a that is a deep one, Lee, and I love it. Um, but we've got more crazy, fun presidential facts. Boop, 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 boop. Um, so we already talked JFK. Let's talk LBJ, his successor. Um, guys, I don't know if you know this, um, but LBJ was kind of an a-hole. <laughs> kind of. He kind of was putting it loosely. That man was a, was a savage. Yeah, so so check it out. There are recordings um, from the White House because I guess that was a thing that they taped conversations in the Oval Office. Nobody tell Nixon. Um, <laughs> there are recordings. Well, actually, actually, there's, it, it, I'll get to that when we get to Nixon. Don't forget to Nixon. But okay, okay. He, he knew. So there are recordings of LBJ asking his tailor to, like, give extra space in the crotch of his pants. Um, LBJ called his package jumbo, right? (laughs) And he didn't want the pants to be too tight around his bunghole. Um, And evidently, this is not the least of it. He would make White House aides... uh, come with him into the into the john he would sit down on the throne and continue his conversations with his staff at the white house and this was well known by reporters at the time that he would just drop a deuce and continue talking to people like what the hell dude wait a minute dan you say inappropriate i say great at time management very efficient yeah productive yeah efficient we're, we're, i don't see a problem there <laughs> i'm dropping know, a deuce right it's... now <laughs> Dude. the power of podcasting brought to you by podcasting <laughs> <laughs> mike insert flush noise <laughs> <laughs> um yeah dude pretty pretty wild and crazy my, my favorite, uh, my favorite LBJ story was uh, he made a uh, one of the the cars on the White House lawn or at, at uh, Fort David, um, a amphibious one. So he yes. would, be, would take people around, and when the, like a first time in the car, he would drive and just like drive fast and drive crazily. And there was this big, uh, I don't know if it's pond, a lake, I, I don't remember which one it is, but it was water. And so he'd be driving kind of towards it, and then he'd get off the, the, the gravel or the road, and then he would make it look like the, the brakes were out. Like, he goes, oh, no, the brakes are out, the brakes are out, the brakes are out. And he would be, like, just semi-freaking out in the driver's seat. And then he would go, he would go straight for the water, and when, um, and when they would go into the water, it would just float. And he says, he says, like, if you stayed in, you're you're faithful, yada yada, blah blah blah. But really, he was just he was just dicking around with them. <laughs> oh my god, what a jerk! Uh, yes. So, um, this is a story. This goes. I heard this story back in high school. Um, 
when LBJ was a senator, if he had something that he wanted passed, he would corner his political opponents and slowly move in. Now, LBJ was over six feet tall. And eventually, he would have people he was talking to pinned against the wall and he'd put his arms up against the wall so they couldn't get away. And then he'd move in until he was right in their face because he's an asshole. Yes. That is a real asshole thing to do. Right, right. Almost as bad as making someone watch you take a poop. <laughs> almost, 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 yeah. Because at this point, if you, at this point, if you don't watch your job, you just leave. At that point, <laughs> you're stuck between you're stuck between a six foot tall dude and a wall, so it's you're kind of stuck there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So next, the next president in line is a uh, tricky dick, and uh, well, we all know what happened to old tricky dick. He had to leave office in disgrace but ray you said you had uh you had something for old richard millhouse nixon well this kind of goes back to what we said about lbj where lbj kind of had the place wiretapped um nixon took those out for a while and then he decided for some reason because as we all know why he he left in disgrace but for some reason he decided to put the to put them back because he was paranoid between other people. So he would put, he put back the wiretaps before the whole Watergate scandal happened. So he kind of shot himself in the foot twice by taking him out and putting him back in. So, so it, it kind of shows you how paranoid he really was and how, um, and kind of how he was working with it. And then also all of a sudden be like, Oh wait, I want people to, to know what I'm doing. I want, I want to show everyone how good I am and then doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really weird, Ray. It's almost like a president who is convinced the press is out to get him, but then invites members of the press to the White House and gives an interview on tape and then says dumb things and then says yeah. the press is out to get him. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about, Dan? I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's continue. Um, so the president after Richard Nixon was old Gerald Ford. And fun fact, uh, Gerald Ford played football at the University of Michigan, something a lot of people know. But while he was president, he used the Michigan fight song instead of Hail to the Chief. What? That'd, be very That'd be very confusing if he showed up to do a... Uh a rally at, at the Michigan football team, the football state. <laughs> at Ann Arbor, he just comes into the fight zone. No, they probably would have loved it. They loved the guy. Um, and Lee, you said he wasn't very interesting, um, despite his portrayals uh, by Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live as a klutz. That's kind of funny. Um, but check it out. Old Gerald Ford was a model in Cosmo magazine. No way. Yes, dude. He worked as a model. I worked at a model, too. I mean, look at... Just go back, look at the <laughs> pictures, and then imagine him with hair, and then you know what? Well, maybe it works. I imagine with hair... Wait, 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 I gotta look this up. <laughs> hey, Siri, look up Gerald Ford Topless. No, 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 no. <laughs> 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 and that was something we didn't need to see. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. It's wild and crazy. 
right. So, uh, who, who was after Ford? Uh, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. We're getting into the more modern presidents. Jimmy Carter's still alive. Props to you, Jimmy. Good work. That was a conspiracy theory, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I developed this conspiracy theory that, um, like, most ex-presidents are, like, still alive and being kept alive by some immortality serum or some kind of, like, uh, convergence sort of thing where they're put into a robot body. But I haven't been able to prove that one yet. So I'm still working on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, but it, so Jimmy, like he's out there. He's out there doing Habitat for Humanity and stuff. Like, uh, props to him. Uh, but Lee, Jimmy Carter had a UFO sighting. What? Yeah, man, down in down in Georgia, Georgia. You know, he was a peanut farmer down there, and the governor of Georgia. I remember that. Yeah, and he saw a UFO. He said it. Uh, him and a bunch of people, like there were multiple witnesses to this UFO. Uh, they saw a light in the sky, it changed colors, and it flew off. Um, so there you go. That's I wonder crazy. If he got, I wonder if he got the telepathic, uh, telepathically told that he was going to be president, and he just didn't tell anybody. He's like, I don't. It's like a, it's like a birthday. It's a birthday wish. You can't tell people what the aliens told me to put to say, <laughs> or else it won't happen, right? Yeah, well, um, what was what was that uh, Stephen King book where the guy predicts Jimmy Carter being president? Uh, the the Dead Zone, the Dead Zone. I thought that was a movie. Yeah, it's a movie, but it's also a book. You know, they make <laughs> all books into movies. No, you mean to tell me that the Lord of the Rings was based on a book? Are you trying no, 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 to tell no. me? Not the that one, not that Game one. of oh, Thrones no. was based on a book. Are you trying to tell me that freaking <laughs> Harry Potter was based on a book? The the oh, last season of Game of Thrones was not based on a book, just FYI. <laughs> no, Harry, Potter, Harry Potter was based on a true story. That's different. Okay. Yeah, oh, Harry Potter's a documentary. That is true. That is, <laughs> yeah, yes. That's a fact. <laughs> that's not disputed by anybody. Um, to the bank. I promise you to, to, to send you that check. Uh, there's a lot of zeros in there, not a lot of other numbers. Don't worry about it, guys. Uh, Safe, though. A lot of zeros, but not very many other numbers? Exactly. No other numbers. That's all I got to say. But you can put any, any amount of zeros you want. I got you. Just no other numbers, please. That's it. So after Jimmy Carter, we got Ronnie Reagan, uh, the next president in line. And all right, we all know Ronald Reagan was an actor, right? Like, that's well known. Um, yep. but check this out. Ronald Reagan did like, uh, like a monkey comedy. That's like bedtime for Bonzo or Bozo or something like that, where he's in this movie with a chimpanzee. Right. Yep. Um, and evidently he didn't take this actor advice to never work with, um, with kids or animals. Because this monkey nearly choked Ronald Reagan to death on the set of this movie. Well, uh, well, that wasn't very nice there, Mr. Bubbles. That just was not very nice. Oh, good one, Lee. <laughs> I'm kind of... that's, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> it came so naturally. Dude, it's, it's nuts, man. It's nuts. 
Um, so another one that folks might know or might not know, George H.W. Bush, on a state visit to Japan, famously puked at the table. <laughs> and now it's like a Japanese thing. Uh, they even have a word for it. It's like bushuru. It's puking in public. <laughs> yeah, so, um, that's part of the Japanese culture now. And then, and uh, speaking of SNL with like Jerry Chase and and Carter, I mean, Dana Carvey and George H W Bush was so perfect as well. That's just uh, oh, SNL I love that one. Yeah, thousand yeah. points of light, bring them all together. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dana Carvey was a master of George H.W. So good. He was a master of the skies, that's for sure. Oh! Nice. That just happened. Mic drop. That's it. That's the end of the show. No, we, I got a couple more. I got a couple more. <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, after. H.W. You had Clinton. Uh, whatever. He played the saxophone. Nobody really cares. <laughs> <laughs> you got some strange. Yeah. Props to him. Um, and then after that, we got George W. Bush. George W. Um, and check this out, guys. I, this is a little known fact. George W. Bush holds the presidential record for the marathon. Three hours and 44 minutes. Not, was he the only president to run a marathon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's the only president who's run a marathon. I, I mean, it's, it's 93, so that was like before he was in office. Oh, that's cheating, then. That's, that's cheating. I thought, oh, okay, I, I'm not cheating. But and, and let's I, be I, real. I, I better... Go ahead. No, and I mean, let's be honest, most of the other guys probably were dead at that time anyway, so you can't really compete with 40, like 43 other people if they're dead. Or 42. Marathons existed since ancient Greece. I mean, <laughs> any of these other guys could have tried to run a marathon, but... All right, let's be real, though. Do, do we think that there's a possible candidate in our current election that might run a marathon and beat Bush's time? Or survive the marathon itself. Oh, oh survive! I, I got, I got, I have one or two thinkings on on surviving it. Beating, I don't know. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen many of the candidates run though. So, okay. I mean, vice president candidate. Oh, vice Kamala, maybe. Yeah. Spike could probably run three hours. I, I'm gonna be. I'm. I'm here. Like, I'm pretty sure Pence could do it. And here's why. Oh, no. No, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Do you okay. know in Terminator 2, right, <laughs> when, the, when, the, when the liquid metal robot is chasing them? That's okay. how Mike Pence looks all the time to me. Like, that's just dead-eyed like a shark just after his prey. <laughs> like Robert Patrick as the T-1000. Exactly. Or 2000. I think it's 2000. Exactly. Huh. Um, well, yeah. I mean, his hair is very aerodynamic. So that's true. He's got a that's shot. That's true. Shot. But there is a little bit of friction there because that fly could hold down, hold itself down. 
but, uh, but maybe we'll to, to keep it from keep him from flying, which will help him go further. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, um, moving on, we've got one more presidential fun fact. Former President Barack Hussein Obama had a, a very interesting first job, one that relates in a way to a show uh, that we did pretty recently, Lee. You remember uh, the fast food killer? Yes. What do you think? Uh, it kind of relates to that. What do you think President Obama's first job was? Uh, snow cone um, person. Like shaved ice in Hawaii. Good guess, good guess, but you're wrong. He was actually born in Africa. Ray, what do you think? <laughs> I, I was going to go with the uh, he was a food he was a food tester. No, check it out. He was an ice cream scooper at Baskin Robbins. Oh, I thought Ooh. I thought Baskin Robbins, like literally working at Baskin Robbins, was too close, like too on the nose, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah, there you go. There, that's the fact. Always go with gut instinct. Come on, Lee. You know that. I know. I, I just went with shaved ice, thinking Hawaii. Um, we all know that he was born in Africa, but you know, trying to keep up the ruse. So <laughs> that's why he got a job at Baskin Robbins. Very American. Um, so that's it, guys. That's all our presidential fun facts. That's all our conspiracies. We have shot our load here on election day. We put it all out there. Now it's time for you to decide. Go and vote. Uh, but before we leave, Ray, give us a plug. Uh, so, one, you can check out, again, Fourth Hand Media with the great shows with uh, Beyond Terrestrials. These guys are always great. Uh, even without me, uh, I think I actually dragged you guys down. My bad. Uh, uh, hopefully you guys will all be back at some point. Uh but also we have uh, Surrey 51, which again, I help with research with. So check check out those guys at fourthhandmedia.com. Uh, go on Facebook, go on Twitter, uh, go to fourthhandmedia, and you will find all different great shows. Uh, we have shows on YouTube, we have shows on, uh, and on podcasts. Uh, so always check those guys out, and um, again, Thank you guys so much for having me uh, be a part of this wonderful show. Uh, again, all one-star reviews can be sent to me. Um, I will bask in your guys' angry tears. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Um, if if people want to follow like you personally on Twitter, can they do that? I, I do have a uh, personal Twitter uh, I also have a business personal Twitter. Shall I say that one? <laughs> uh, it is. It is at Ray Bands So Ray Bands like the the the, uh, the sunglasses and nineteen ninety four because I am very unoriginal and use my birth year. Very nice. cool. Nice. Very cool. Well, Ray, thank you for coming on. We love talking uh, with you. You are a great third-party candidate. I think our Beyonders, if they if they were to vote, might pick you as the winner of this show. Congratulations, sir. Um, I concede to you. Um, Lee, if 
you would do the honors. Uh, I'll give you the last word. Please uh, send us off. All right. So, everybody, Beyonders, I hope everybody has a wonderful night. I just want to point out, Dan has shot his load. Ray has dropped some uh, some drop-ins there, and I went ahead and dropped my load a few minutes ago. Guys, <laughs> just remember, always keep your eyes out there beyond terrestrial. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial, all three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Funk Master B's bachelor pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. This show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial.